Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. And the enemy of our souls came along and pointed to them, had them look at the restriction instead of the freedom, instead of the opportunity God had given them, they, he focused their attention on the restriction and began to encourage them and challenge them to question what God had said. And through that, they were led into sin. We want to look this morning at this text, pardon me, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. There in the NIV, we have it there on the screen in front of us, we'll have it there in a moment. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The ESV, uh, he has delivered us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There are not a variety of ways to translate these original words written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. He wants the church to be captured with the wonder of God's rescue plan, God's deliverance. We are who we are in God's sight because he rescued us. We could not rescue ourselves. We'll talk about various rescue opportunities that people have tried, people seeking to rescue themselves, deliver themselves, and it's been impossible. We need a rescuer. And the good news today that I have to share with you and I want you to consider with me is the fact that we have a rescuer. Our God is on a mission to rescue, to save through the finished work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's made it all possible by the work of the Spirit of God. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday as we see the Spirit of God take the Word of God and focus our attention on the Son of God. Uh, The Spirit of God has a spotlight ministry. Uh, If a spotlight is properly placed, if you're walking down a, a street at nighttime, and you turn a corner and you see a building that is well lit, you don't typically say to the person you're walking with, what a spotlight. No, no, the spotlight has served its purpose if you turn the corner and you say, what a building. My friends, the Spirit of God says to us, what a Savior. What a Savior we have. The message, another contemporary translation, has translated it this way. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom. Here we are in the next slide. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. 
The son who got us out of the pit we were in got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Here's Eugene Peterson attempting to dramatically portray for a different generation the truth of what the Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to be gripped with. God rescued us. God rescued us. He, he, he drives it home again and again and again. He wants our attention to be God-centered. He wants our focus to be upon God. It, it's almost like a, a, a teeter-totter. When you go through the, 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 the playground and you come, I don't know if, if teeter-totters, they're not really cool in a, in a tech, technical world, are they? I don't know if they're electronic teeter-totters or not. <laughs> Can you get a teeter-totter app on your phone? <laughs> I can't imagine that, but maybe there is. Maybe someone, I just gave someone an idea. But you go through a playground on a summer day and you see the kids. I've taken my grandchildren to a teeter-totter and, and uh, they always want me to get on one end and I'm thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a challenge, right? A slightly lighter ended uh, uh, part of the teeter-totter is going to be up and my part's going to be down unless somehow I can somehow compensate. Well, the reality is when our worship of God is high, our worries, our concerns seem so low, they seem in perspective. Our God is an awesome God. Sing with me how great is our God. But what happens when our worship drops? What happens when we lose sight of the God who has rescued us? All of a sudden, our worries, a minor anxiety, a small issue, seems like a mountain, an insurmountable mountain. Because we've lost sight of our God. God rescued us. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. He's moved us into the kingdom of his dear son. We've had a new change, a new beginning, a new relationship that we never had before. And the son, the New Living Translation says, he purchased our freedom. If you're free today in Christ, if you have freedom from your sin, it's because the Savior has paid the price. Those final words, well spoken, perhaps very familiar to you, those final words translated into English with three words, with only one word in the original Greek. It is finished. That's what Christ cried out, didn't he? Victory, in the language of the day, paid. He purchased our freedom. Well, let's walk our way through this process. I want you to take your Bibles and follow along with me these two verses. Maybe if I do a good job with two verses, uh, Pastor Ronald will let me come back and preach on a few more. <laughs> uh, years ago, I memorized these verses, and I tell you, they have been a comfort and a, and a, and a source of hope and a source of blessing. I memorized out of the NIV, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, friends, if you have nothing else to thank God for today in this challenging time, you can thank him for his rescue plan. So let's talk about our rescue. Let's talk about our rescue. Let's look at this together. Uh, the word rescue is the word, it, it's a word that means to, to liberate, 
to liberate, to, to save, to deliver someone from something or someone. There, there's a rescue plan. We've had all kinds of illustrations. The first illustration that came to my mind was years ago when I was with my immediate family, my brothers and sisters, my siblings, my, one of my older brothers had a wonderful pool. And it was a hot summer day, and we were all enjoying the wonders of this pool that he owned at the time. And uh, everyone was called in for lunch, and I decided on that occasion that I wanted to try one more swim. Uh, the only problem was in those days I wasn't much of a swimmer. Didn't really know how. Thought I did, overconfident teenager, and I've since learned a few things and since taken some lessons. But at that time, I'd not grown up around water a whole lot, and so I decided, well, it can't be that deep. The deep end can't be that deep. And I got in over my head. And thankfully, my brother was prompted to come back out. He wondered why a, you know, a growing teenager wasn't in for the food line. And he came out, and there I was. And he didn't stand on the shore and say, or on the edge of the pool and say, well, are you enjoying yourself now? How do you like my pool? It's pretty deep, isn't it? No, he rescued me. He got that hook. In fact, I got my lecture. He spoke words after he rescued me. I, I couldn't rescue myself. In fact, those of you who've done any life-saving or lifeguarding, you know the danger that when a person is drowning, you have to be careful how you rescue them. They have adrenaline rushing through their veins and they have almost supernatural strength as they try to hold on and they'll pull the, the rescuer down with them. Oh, listen, our God, our God is not affected by our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or how about a rescue from a wild animal? There you are out on a lovely park walk, and uh, we've had a number of stories about this that have made the news, and some wild animal has decided maybe to take on your pet or to attack you, and you've needed rescuing. You have to intervene. There has to be a rescue. There has to be a deliverance. And then, of course, the world on many occasions has watched with great concern as miners who have labored under the ground are, are trapped, and we're watching, and we're waiting for news. And when, we, when, 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 when there is good news, and it's not always good news, but when there is good news, who do we celebrate? The people that were trapped? No. We honor the rescuers. We thank the rescuers. All of these rescues are, are great. They're wonderful. But the rescue of our God is amazing. He has rescued us. Paul says to the church, look around, look at your brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe and tongue and language and people. When we stand in heaven one day, we'll say to each other, He has rescued us. We wouldn't be here if He hadn't rescued us. These rescues are wonderful. We, we celebrate them in the news and we breathe a sigh of relief when a little child is rescued from a hole they've fallen into. But they're temporary. But the rescue we're talking about in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 is a permanent rescue. 
He has rescued us. It is a settled position. Our rescue is, has begun, and he who began a good work in you, as Paul says in Philippians 1, will continue. Will continue until the day of Christ. He, he starts, he rescued us, as the, as the psalmist wrote so many years ago, long before the book of Colossians. He rescued me out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. Praise his name. Praise his name. Well, let's move forward and talk a little more about this rescue. This rescue in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 is a rescue from darkness to light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has delivered us, the ESV says, from the domain of darkness. Now, darkness in Scripture is far more than just the period when the sun has gone down. It's a reflection of ignorance. It's a sphere of falsehood, of sin. I, I, I take you back to the Last Supper. You remember when Jesus had gathered with his disciples in that upper room to celebrate the Passover meal. We sit at our tables, typically. They were reclining at couches around this table, celebrating this final meal with the Lord, which had looked back to God's rescue of his people under Moses. Final night when the people of God, people of Israel, had been in Egypt, God had a rescue plan. And he told them that they were to take the blood of a lamb and put it over the doorpost, put it over the lintel, and when I see the blood, God said, I will pass over. You'll be rescued. You'll be spared. And so they were celebrating this meal, and during the meal, we know and we watch the activity of one of the professed followers of Jesus, a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. And as he indicated his desire to leave the meal, Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. Jesus knew, Judas knew what the plan was. That was the end of the conversation as Judas headed out to lead the enemies of Jesus to the garden later on that evening. John, in summarizing and in, in, in tracking the activity of Judas at that point, says he went out and it was night. Now what's John saying? Look, look, look at your watches. They didn't have watches. John is saying Judas went out into darkness. Judas went out to his own people to have fellowship with darkness while the rest of God's followers, the true followers, stayed with the source of light. Now, here we are years later as Colossians is penned, and Paul says to the Colossian church, God, God alone, God himself, in this remarkable act of mercy, has rescued us. He's rescued Paul. 
He's rescued Timothy, Titus, Luke, you name all the companions on this large church planting team. And you name all the believers who are gathered together in that little wonderful city of Colossae. And they can look at each other and say, he has rescued us. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. We're in the kingdom of light. Our ignorance of God has been replaced with the knowledge of God. We don't just know about God. We know God. There's a difference, isn't there? A lot of people may know about God. They may believe in the existence of a divine being, a supernatural creator, but they have never met him through Jesus Christ. Paul says, oh, if you're a child of God today, if you're part of the body of Christ, he has rescued us from this domain of darkness. He's brought us out of ignorance to knowledge. He's brought us out of falsehood to truth. He's brought us out of sin to righteousness. It's a new chapter. Chapter one of my life was a life in darkness. No matter how old you were when you professed faith in Christ, that early period before you knew Christ, you did not know God. You were without God. You were without hope. And God in his mercy, God in his grace, sent Christ on this rescue plan. And he rescued us from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of his son. We're, we have new citizenship. Uh, some of you have had the joy and some of you watching us online have, have gone through the process of becoming a new citizen of a new country. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Usually in Canada Day, it becomes quite a celebration as, as people receive their citizenship. And, and they're, they're, they're grateful. Some have great emotion uh, overwhelming, from, overwhelming them as they reflect on where they were. Think of it. Perhaps some of them had been in refugee camps, waiting and waiting, living without hope, wondering, is there any possible way that we could have a new beginning? And they somehow heard of the, the nation of Canada. And they followed the protocol, they followed the process, and they were selected. And they went through all of the steps of transition, and then that day finally came when the good news came to them. You can come to our country. You can become a citizen. You can become part of this land. Oh, friends, that's good news. Paul says, I've got some great news. I've got some great news. God offers you new citizenship. God wants you to leave the darkness and come into the light. He wants you to come out of this kingdom of this world. This, this world is headed nowhere. Even in Revelation, that great climactic book of the entire Bible, one day the kingdoms of this world all become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign 
as our dear beloved composer Handel said or wrote forever and ever and ever and ever. He is Lord. Our rescue is amazing. So we've become new citizens with a new identity in a new country. Therefore, as Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Friends, the, 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 the temptation for some of us, though, as believers, is the, the newness has worn off. And if you ever bought a new car, could you afford a new car? And you, and you get in there, you test drive it, and that, it just has that new car smell, doesn't it? And you think, wow, this is so amazing. And after you had some kids that spit up on it, and the dog that you took to the vet scratched it, and all of a sudden you think, this, that new car smell is gone. Where did the new car? Time for another one. And the dealers hope you come back, right? Oh, that's a faint illustration of losing the newness of being part of the family of God. Uh, the church at Ephesus, another parallel city and community to Colossae, it receives a lot of attention in the New Testament. Acts 20, Paul gathers with the elders of the church. Ephesians, he writes to them their own letter. First and Second Timothy, he is writing to his younger associate Timothy, whom he has left to serve with the elders in that community. And we hear nothing more about that church in that city till we come to the book of Revelation, where we discover that this church has lost its first love. Somehow, some temptation, some life issue, some circumstance has diverted their love. They have lost the love they first had. They've lost the newness. And Christ invites them to repent, to come back, to renew their love for their Savior. Oh, our rescue is an amazing plan, isn't it? He has rescued. He has delivered us. It's accomplished. Praise his name. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, how did this happen? Let's talk about our rescuer. The focus is as much on the rescuer. In fact, I would say it's more so even on the rescuer than it is on the rescue. The rescue is the evidence that we have a rescuer. The rescue is proof that our God is actively pursuing lost sinners. Our rescuer is God the Father. In the previous verse where we are told that we have been qualified by the Father to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. That's Colossians 1 verse 12. And then he, without any transition, as this amazing prayer wraps up, says to the church, He, God the Father, through 
God the Son. And what is not included, but we're celebrating today on Pentecost Sunday, is by God the Spirit. The triune God works in unity. They're not three separate persons. They are three distinct persons who work in unity. We see that, and we'll look a little later on at, at, at an illustration of this. So the ultimate rescue plan, the deliverance, has come from God. It is God the Father's initiative, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son, the Father loved the world. God sent his son in the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent his son. Now, how is Jesus described here? He's described as God the son. I, I've been interacting with some followers of another faith recently, and they don't understand Jesus to be the Jesus I know. And my focus, my burden for them is that they would grasp who he truly is. It, it, it is the watershed doctrine of the Christian faith. Who do you say I am? Jesus pressed his disciples. There were all kinds of opinions circulating about who he was as he conducted his ministry. And then he said to them, but what about you? And so I ask you this morning as you watch and listen, what about you? Whom do you say Christ is? He, he's, he's God the Son. He's the Son he loves. His beloved Son. And when we read those words, our minds go back to the life of Christ. If we know anything, we realize that Paul is unpacking and developing the gospel which was revealed through Jesus Christ, the gospel story. God manifest in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate Christmas. And then he grows up among them, and then he uh, you know, we just have that one visit at the age of 12 to the temple where the religious leaders are mystified that he has such knowledge, has such learning. Where does this come from? Who is this? Even his mother doesn't fully understand. As Jesus said, did you not know I had to be about my father's business? Oh, that's why he'd come, hadn't it? He, he came about his father's business. He was on a mission for God as God. And then as we launch into his ministry, at the age of 30, he is in the lineup of candidates to be baptized. Uh, this is John's baptism. This is not Christian baptism. This is John who's been telling people, do you want to get ready for the kingdom of heaven? Then be baptized. Demonstrate outwardly that you are repenting, that you are turning from your past life, you're turning away from sin, you're turning to God. You're turning from darkness to light. Be baptized. Demonstrate that there must be a change in your behavior. Christian baptism, we call for repentance and faith, and then baptism. It's different. That's a study for another day. I'll have to come back. 
And as John looks at this long line of candidates, he looks up and the next candidate in line is the Lamb of God. And John steps back and says, I I need to be baptized by you? And you're coming to me? Jesus, who's called the Christ, is going to be baptized with a baptism of repentance? No, 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 I I need to be baptized by you. You are worthy. I'm not even worthy to undo your sandals. Jesus said, oh, no. Let it be so now. This fulfills all righteousness. Oh, friends, at the start of his ministry, Jesus takes the sinner's place. On the cross, he takes the sinner's place. What a picture. And so as he goes into the water and, and, and John reluctantly, though obediently, baptizes him as he comes up out of the water, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, rests on him. And to confirm the identity of who was in the water, who this candidate was, we have a voice, unmistakable, heard by those who needed to hear it. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, I ask you this morning, is your faith in the Son in whom God is well pleased? I trust so. Well, that was the start of his ministry, this official launch into the ministry that God had sent him on. And then partway through his ministry, we know he takes Peter and James and John, and he goes up into a mountain, and his whole countenance is changed. His glory is revealed. <laughs> Peter, are you a Peter? Peter? Peter can't sit still. Peter, just worship. Peter said, it's good for us to be here. Oh, that was a good comment, wasn't it? Let, let's make some, let's make some, let's stay here a while. Let's make some booths and just, just stay here. And, 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 and this cloud comes over, just shuts that idea down cold. And the voice, a voice again, the voice of the Father affirming what had been announced at the baptism, confirming the earlier announcement. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There'll be a time to serve him, Peter. But right now, listen to him. So when Paul says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son or the son he loves, he wants us to think about that. And then in whom? So we're absolutely clear that the the work of rescue, the work of deliverance, the work of salvation centers on the person of his son. You can't get to heaven without going through the Son. Remember Jesus said, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, not one person will ever get to the Father except coming through the Son. This past Wednesday, I had the joy of leading a funeral service, and we started that service by singing, To God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate 
that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father. That's the invitation. Through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Paul says, listen, if, if, he, if he didn't read this letter, would you mind reading another letter I wrote? Could, could you read 1 Timothy? Oh, you wrote that one too? Yes, and a few others, right? 13 letters. 12 others plus, plus Colossians. 1 Timothy, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. All oh, this this rescue, this rescuer is none less than God's own son. This, this is a divine plan. This is God's plan. He rescued us and he, he designed salvation in the halls of eternity before there was a world. There was a lamb who was willing to be slain. What a picture. Well, Paul says... Can I unpack? Can I, can I pack some more? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I would want to travel. Would you like to travel with the Apostle Paul? I think he would have taken a suitcase and packed everything in it. Oh, just jam it in. In every sentence he writes, he's doing that, isn't he? Just in case you're not clear as to what Christ accomplished, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. You've got to ramp up your vocabulary when you study Christ, don't you? We have redemption. We have redemption. It's a present possession. We've been released because he paid the price. We used to sing that little chorus, he paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away in whom we have redemption. We have forgiveness. Even the forgiveness of our sins, our debt has been canceled. So let's not try to pay it ourselves. Oh, listen, you may live a good life. Don't stop doing good things. But how good do you have to be? If you're going to seek to get to heaven by your own goodness, you're going to have to be really good. <laughs> you better not have any gaps or any missteps. Uh, James, one of the followers of Jesus, says if you keep the whole law and yet you offend in one point, you're guilty. Oh, come on. I used to be so happy when I got a, a, a test back and I got 99 out of 100. That was pretty close. Remember the time my report card came home and, and uh, it's 99 and my dad <laughs> wrote in the parents' comments, I hope our son will do better on the next report. He was teasing. Come on. It was close, but, but, but it's perfection that we see in Christ and that we have in Christ. He has provided redemption. So what's our response as we draw this to a close? How do we respond to such a rescue? And to such a rescue. We, we could do with music. Here are, here are three suggested songs. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved? 
Yet you gave to prove your love to me the voices of a million angels. <laughs> Do you have an angelic voice? It could not express your gratitude. Worship. Oh, within our hearts wells up this heartbeat of worship. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee. How great thou art. Oh, I see the greatness in creation. That's how that song walks us through, doesn't it? The wonder of God's handiwork. The heavens declare the, the, the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. But when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. I, for me? He died for me? He took my place? I should have been there. How amazing our God is. And then in a response, not in a trade-off, but just as a, with a heart filled with gratitude, we're saying, Lord, hear my, send me. You've rescued me, now use me. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would press into our hearts by your Holy Spirit the truth that has been so packed into these few sentences penned by Paul. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Father, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would make the message clear and plain to those who have not yet trusted Christ, and may those of us who have trusted him come with new gratitude, new surrender, new devotion, new worship as we marvel at your grace and forgiveness. Through Christ, who is the Lord, we pray. Amen.